Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Notice the condition in verse 24. He says, if what you heard from the beginning abides in you. And we already told what that, what is this thing that we're talking about? It's loving one another. If that loving one another, if that abides in you, if that's staying in you, in you, if you're dwelling in it, notice the result. You also will abide in the Son and the Father. I love that. It's like, it's like a benefit, isn't it? You do this, this is what happens. Today on Truth in Christ, Scripture says, You also will abide in the Son and in the Father. Welcome to our Bible study for today. This is absolutely necessary for the Christian life. John will use the word abide six times in these few verses, and the idea is repeated throughout the New Testament. Abiding in Jesus is not a passive thing. It is an active thing. We must give ourselves both mentally and spiritually to living in Jesus. This teaches us to love others as he loves. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson. He calls it the royal law. And it's this, in James chapter 2, verse 8, it says, If you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, and here it is, here's the royal law, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convinced by the law as transgressors. It's amazing that we can live right next door to someone for years and never get to know them or invite them over for dinner. I remember when I was younger, everybody in our neighborhood knew each other. And my neighborhood right now is getting, it's kind of neat because things are happening. And it just so happens that we're surrounded by many Christians, which I think is interesting because these things are starting to happen. They really are. We're getting to know each other, and I, and I love that. But for, the, for most people, that's not their experience. You know, what has happened to us? What has happened to us? When did we become so cold as a culture and uncaring, even within the church, when we ought to be the most forthright, the most loving and giving? And maybe some of you are, and praise the Lord for that. Maybe all of you are. But I know in most neighborhoods, this is not the norm. This is something that doesn't happen how is it that we can hide behind a computer, a computer keyboard, and have some kind of pseudonym, and then we can criticize and hate each other on these social networks? There's no accountability. I can hide behind a pseudoname that I make up, and I can just blast people. What has happened to us? Has your family done this? Do you have people in your family that you have to block because they're so filthy? They're so morally in, uh, corrupt? These things happen. 
what has happened to our culture, and what will it take for us to not be so to each other? Well, we as a culture, and not, not necessarily the church so much, but there's portions of the church, and maybe even sometimes in our own hearts we can get like this, but as a culture, it's turned its back on God. So is it any mystery that we see the things we do? Is it any mystery the hate that we see? You know, we've turned our back on God and we continue to reap the consequences of those choices and decisions until we stop and we acknowledge Jesus Christ. Now, this is all not good news, <laughs> but there is coming good news. But we are to love one another, right? John, the apostle of love, he encourages us to love one another. Um, in Mark chapter 12, let me read it to you. It says, Jesus, it says, Then one of the scribes came to Jesus, and having heard them, the Pharisees, reasoning with him, perceiving that he, had, he Jesus, had answered them well, he asked them, he said, Which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. The Lord our God is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. Notice he said, the second commandment is also like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, there is no other commandment greater than these. So our love toward God and our love toward people. The Ten Commandments were like that. The first tablet, the first four commandments were about our relationship with God. The second tablet, the last six commandments were our relationship and things concerning our fellow man and the things that we would do against one another, like adultery and stealing and cheating and lying and, 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 and doing those things. And so the Lord sums them up in two things. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. He said, on all these things hang the prophets and the law. Everything. If we can do that. If we can do that. Turn with me to Luke chapter 10. This is a, a, a passage we know all so well. But I want to encourage you to love one another. To love one another. To love your neighbor as yourself. And we all love ourselves because we, we, we bathe ourselves. We feed ourselves. We take care of ourselves, and we need to do that to others. And you may be asking, well, who is my neighbor? Who is my brother? Jesus puts forth a parable of the, the Good Samaritan. This is something that all of us know very well, but let's read it. Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 25, and it says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? And he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered and said to him, and he gives him a story. He gives him a parable to illustrate the point. It's very simple. He says, a certain man went down from Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is in a higher elevation, and when you go from Jerusalem, you have to go down into the Jordan Valley, down into, right there uh, at the very northern tip of the Dead Sea is a little town called Jericho. And he says, but a certain Samaritan, I'm sorry, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by the other side. A priest, a man who should have been an, a leading example, an example of helping and loving. Ah, but he passes by on the other side, doesn't want anything to do with him. 
But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, I'm sorry, I missed over a verse. Uh, and um, Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, a servant in the temple, when he arrived at the place, he came and he looked and he passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, Samaritan, Samaritans, it's a new word. You heard it here first. Samaritan. A Samaritan, back in those days, they were considered half-breeds. They were considered, they looked down upon them because they were half-Gentile and half-Jew. They weren't quite right, and they mingled with the pagan neighbors. And so there's this group of people called the Samaritans who everybody looked down upon. But notice whom God uses and God touches to minister to this poor man. So this certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, he came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Wow, go figure, compassion. What a great word. So he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine to to cleanse his wounds. And And he set him on his own animal, and he brought him to an inn, and he took care of him. And on the next day when he departed, he took out two denarius and gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. And then Jesus says, So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And any breathing soul would have said the same thing. He who showed mercy on him. And then Jesus said, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Love one another. Love your neighbor. Show love to one another. When you know somebody in this body is sick and you know them, take the initiative. Give them a call. Send them a text. Take them to dinner. Pray for them, certainly. By this they will know that we are his disciples by the love that we have for one another. Even in Romans, Romans chapter 13, Paul says the same thing. In Romans 13, beginning in verse 8, he says, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who commits another, who loves another, I'm sorry, has fulfilled the law. Has fulfilled the law by love. Love is the greatest thing. And there abides these three things, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is what? Love. He says, for the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, all are summed up in this one saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Wow. Man, I want to be a lover of God. In fact, it wasn't that long ago, you know, I don't know, a year ago, I was like, Lord, give me a greater love for people, not only for the family of God, but just for people in general. You know, he's, he's doing that little by little. He's, he's increasing that, and, and it ought to be true for you too. If you abide in him, if you're staying with him, if you're dwelling with him, let him do that work in you. Let him do that work and love each other. Put away all of our petty things, our little nitpicky things that we do. We hear from somebody else a little word and we're like, we get mad at them because we, we misunderstood them. But instead of giving them the benefit of the doubt, what do we do? We throw them in the trash. You're just like everybody else. Our heart needs to be changed. We need to put away the criticalness and love one another. In Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 13, Paul said this to the Galatians. He says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use this liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. But what? But through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour any one another, anybody bite each other? Anybody got bite wounds on their leg? He doesn't really mean it physically. 
Hopefully not. Of course, in some places that may happen too, but that's even weirder. But I digress. He says, but if you bite and devour... You'll never read that word, that verse the same again, will you? My fault. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. You know, I'm so glad, you know, uh, uh, that this idea of learning to love. You know, I, I've, been, I've been witness of things that have happened in our fellowship over the years. And I've seen some really poor things happen where people get angry and they run off in a huff. That people get mad at each other. Or two, you know, two or three people get mad at these two or three people. This couple gets mad at that couple. And instead of doing the right thing, the harder thing, the spiritual thing, the godly thing, the Christ-like thing to do, they run off and they get mad. But boy, what an awesome story. What a witness. What an awesome example it is when there is problems and they work it out and they get together, they cry, they pray, they work it out, and then things are, they may not be hunky-dory and everybody's a best friend, but they live and they love, they support, they respect each other, and they move on and we can still fellowship together. That can happen nowhere except in the church. In the world, you're not going to see it. If you do, it's a real great miracle, and it's only by the grace of God that it does happen. But in the church, it ought always to happen. So when you get mad at someone, think of it. Swallow your pride. Swallow your pride and go to them and love them and tell them the truth and be restored and seek them out and be in prayer about that. What a great story. And that's happened here, and it's so wonderful when it does. Because, man, that is the nuts and bolts of it. That is where we really put feet on our faith, and we prove it. We prove it by what we've done. And, and people see it, and they're like, man, i got to have that. Why isn't that happening in the world? Well, because they're outside of the world. But notice, in the church, this can happen because we have the Spirit of God in us. Amen? Isn't that good news? To love one another? Notice the condition in verse 24. It says, if what you heard from the beginning abides in... And we already told what that... What is this thing that we're talking about? It's loving one another. If that loving one another, if that abides in you, if that's staying in you, in you if you're dwelling in it... Notice the result. You also will abide in the Son and the Father. I love that. It's like, it's like a benefit, isn't it? You do this, this is what happens. If I abide in this truth and I live according to this, this is what the result is going to be. I'm going to abide in the Son and in the Father. In John chapter 13 and verse 33, Jesus said, Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer, and you will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, where, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And here it is, verse 35, By this all will know that you are my disciples by the what? The love that you have for one another. You're going to get so sick of this phrase by the time this sermon's over. Love one another. Grow in it. Don't be afraid of it. Is it hard? Yes, it is. Very seldom is love met with just everything is gushy and feeling. That's Hollywood. That's lust. Any, any human being with blood going through them can do that. But, oh, it takes a different kind of person. It takes the Spirit of God in a person to say, you know what? I'm not going to just fall for that false kind of love. I'm not just going to look for the, the, the warm, gushy feelings like I feel when I watch the Hallmark Channel. What they don't show you is the, the real heartaches. Well, some of they do. Like last night's episode. No, I'm only kidding. But what a great example it is. John, in John 15, verse 13, Jesus said, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if, if, you are my friends if you do the things that I command you. And are his commandments grievous? 
No, just love him and love people. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus was the greatest example of these things. In verse 25, it says, And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. You see, God, he cannot lie. He cannot lie. When he makes a promise, he will follow through with it. His track record is 100%. You may think that it's something else, but it is 100%. Your experience may think that, oh, um, well, you know, I called upon the Lord, I prayed, and he didn't come through right when I wanted to, therefore I'm leaving, I'm going to Buddha. People do that kind of nonsense, because there's no patience. There's no patience, there's no waiting on the Lord anymore. If you don't give it to me right now, I'm going to some other false god. I'm going to some other religion. You didn't give me what I wanted. I'm angry. You disappointed me. You said you'd be there for me, Lord. To the end of the age. Here I am at the end of the age, and it's not happening. I'm out of here. I'm giving up. Throwing in the towel. I'm going somewhere else. I'm going to the Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm going to go to the Mormons. Jesus is the ultimate promise keeper. He's not like people. Often we think that God may have broken a promise to us or failed us, but it's because we view things wrongly. If we would be patient and wait, we will find that God is working and that he did have a plan, but you have to wait. And what happens in that precious time of waiting? Boy, your character is proven, isn't it? You're, you're, you're proven, aren't you? The heat is being turned up on the gold, and what's happening during that waiting period? All the dross is coming up at the top. All the ugliness. I'm frustrated, God. Why aren't you working when I want you to work? I, you know, I want that genie in the lamp where I can just rub it, and I get three wishes. He's not like that. He's interested in the process more than the ends. The ends do not justify the means. So we need to grow in love, and we need to be patient, right? That's a word that we don't like anymore. We need to be patient. I need to be patient. But God doesn't seem to understand that we live in America in the 21st century. He doesn't understand that we live in a have-it-our-way-right-away culture. He doesn't seem to understand that, does he? Oh, he very much understands it. So where will you go? The apostles said that to Jesus one day. He said, are you going to leave too? Are you guys going to leave me too? And Peter said, Lord, where are we going to go? There's no greater place for us to go. You have the words of eternal life. Why would we go somewhere else where there's a broken cistern? It's supposed to be holding water, but there's a crack in it. It has this promise of giving me fulfillment and and making me feel better and, and, and providing sustenance and nutrients that I need. It has that promise, but it's broken. And he says, come to me, the fountain of the living waters. And I believe the Lord is saying that to some of you today. Come back to the fountain of living waters, come back to the fountain. This is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. Didn't he promise that in John chapter 3? For God so loved the world that he gave, he gave as a gift, his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You're either going to perish forever, you're going to be living in death, the second death, for eternity, alive in, in, in a new body, or you're going to live with a new body in eternity for everlasting life with Jesus. We have to make the decision. Eternity is real. Eternal life is real. It's not just a quantity of life, but it's also a quality of life. Isn't that what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 8, 18? Paul's prayer to the, the church at Ephesus, he said this, May you be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height 
to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be what? Filled with all the fullness of God. Is there more than three dimensions there? That boggles my mind. That means there's a fourth dimension. He didn't put it in there just flippantly. There's, some, there's a measure to this dimension that Paul is talking about that goes beyond my understanding, goes way beyond me. He's given us eternal life. Jesus said to Martha, he says, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die physically, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. We're all going to die. But eternity is forever. We're going to live and we're going to die physically. But there is a resurrection. And you'll be either resurrected to eternal life or to damnation in hell. It's one or the other. There are no middle grounds. There are no middle grounds. There's no door number three. There's only two doors. And you determine where you spend eternity. He's given us eternal life. Everlasting life is eternal life. And Jesus has authority over it. In John chapter 17 and verse 2, he says, and he's speaking this high priestly prayer. He's speaking to the Father. He says, as you have given him, he's speaking about himself, as you, Father, have given me, Christ, he says, authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that you, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So is he eternal life? Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And going on in verse 26, these things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. There have been many deceivers up to this time. You know, perhaps John was trying to encourage them in their salvation because of what some of these antichrists were trying to do to undermine their faith. They were there from the very beginning of the church. And believe me, they're very much alive and well in the world today. Antichrists. We know that there's one coming who is the antichrist, but there are also other lesser antichrists whose desire and uh, campaign is the same. To spread false lies. To spread, well, all laws are all false, all lies are false. <laughs> to spread lies, to get you away from the truth. Because it comes from the devil, it doesn't come from God. They want to separate you from what they think they can separate you from. They want to rip you off. Isn't the world a better place? Only because of Christ is it going to be a decent place. Only because of the Lord living inside of you by the Spirit. Only because of you, folks, is this world any has any decency. Because once you're removed from this earth, believe me, I don't want to be here the day after the church is removed. I'm glad I won't be. Because believe me, it is going to be really, really wicked and ugly really, really quick. If you have anybody in your family who doesn't know Christ, plead with them in tears. You must know Jesus Christ. You must confess your sin. You must receive the Spirit of God. You must be born again. It's not an option. That was a command, was it not, Jesus to, Nic- uh, to Nicodemus? You must be born again. Was that just a suggestion? Did he say you must be born again, but really meant, well, it's a good idea. He got many options, you know, just choose one, Nicodemus. It'll all be, all roads lead to God. No, they don't. Well, they do, but they don't. All will stand before Christ. But there will be a sifting at that time. We know who this is. But there are many antichrists. Early in our uh, 20th century, Jim Jones, or in the middle of the 20th century, I forget the exact date, 19-something, 60-something, 70, I forget, yeah, 1970, Jim Jones. 
David Koresh in, in Plano, Texas, or Waco, Texas, and many other cult leaders, they've all claimed to have some kind of deity that they were Christ. False deceivers. There's another good word for you. False deceivers. I'm sorry that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as we continue our study in John's epistles. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.